And those give you some discussion questions that you can use. You can use it with your spouse, with your family, or in a small group, or just work, work through it yourself. Uh, just a way to, uh, to consider more deeply the sermon. And then also on there, you've got a list of some devotional verses. Uh, we're wanting to continue the habits that we established during the 40 Days in the Word campaign. And so we're encouraging you each day to read a scripture passage and then to practice the various methods of meditation that we learned in that series. And so we're really trying to build this stuff uh, into your life. And if you go to our website, rockbrook.org, and click on the banner that has the symbols, of, uh, the banner for the From This Day Forward, it'll take you to a spot where you can listen to the sermon again, where you can download the sermon notes if you, if you need a copy or need extra copies of it. And uh, you can also download the daily devotional uh, for the week that we're going to be doing, uh, the, the readings and then some uh, thoughts, questions about those devotionals. And then we have a Bible study journal page on there that you can download and use as you move through this series. So I want you to know that we, we are making a significant investment into your life, uh, into your marriage, as we're moving through this series. And we've got some great resources available for you on, on our website. Now, in this series, we're not just going to be talking to those who are married. Uh, each week, we're going to be talking, uh, to some degree, to those people who are single and hope to be married someday. Because we want to invest in your life now. We want to prepare you for a godly marriage. And then for those who are already married, we're going to be looking at five commitments that will help you to have a fail-proof marriage, help you to have a great marriage. Now, as we begin, I'm going, to, I'm going to start with some questions for you today. I have some questions, first of all, for the ladies. And I'd like for you to, to think about this. How many of you ladies, when you were a little girl, you dreamed of one day getting married? You dreamed of finding your Prince Charming of a husband, and you would have the perfect wedding and the perfect marriage, and, and the Prince would carry you over the threshold of the perfect little house. And even before you met, uh, met your spouse, long before you were married, you, you knew the names of your children, and you could picture your little family together. Any of you ladies do any of that dreaming? Anybody? Yeah, sure. That's good. How many of you guys did that? Okay, we got... We got one, two guys who did that. Now, how many of you guys uh, actually dreamed of getting married one day, and you dreamed of having sex twice a day, three times on Sunday? Any of the guys had that, that dream? Okay. Yeah, we got more hands going up on that one. But truthfully, uh, how many of you men and women are still waiting for that dream of a perfect marriage uh, to happen? Yeah. Yeah. You know, we all have expectations about what marriage is going to be like. And then when marriage doesn't meet our expectations, we have disappointments. We have hurts. We have wounds. Sometimes we have anger that even leads to divorce. Now, in fact, a lot of you right now, you have been so wounded in your relationship that you wonder if you can have a good marriage, let alone have a great marriage. And I just want to tell you as we start this series, I just want to tell you unequivocally, that the answer to, can you have a great marriage? The answer is yes. The answer is yes. But I also want to be honest with you and just say that it's unlikely. I mean, the answer is yes, but it's unlikely if you do everything that everybody else does. If you do what everybody else does, it's unlikely. I mean, the statistics on marriage, quite frankly, they're really discouraging, almost horrifying. I mean, 50% of first marriages end in divorce. 75% of second marriages end in divorce. 
over 90% of third marriages end in divorce. I mean, the odds are stacked against you if you do what everybody else does. Now, what other significant area in your life are you willing to live with 50-50 chances of failure? I mean, if you discovered that there was a 50% chance of getting cancer from eating a certain brand of cereal, what would you do? You'd change cereal. You know, if you discovered this week that there was a 50% chance that one of your investments was going to fail and you were going to lose your money, what would you do? You'd find something else to do with your money. If I told you that tomorrow morning, as you leave for work, there is a 50-50 chance that you will be attacked by a herd of man-eating cats with thumbs, you would come up with a different strategy for going to work tomorrow. You wouldn't tolerate 50-50 odds in any area of your life. Now, my prayer, my desire as we move through this series is that if you're not married yet, I pray that you will do different things differently than the world around you. I pray that you will do things God's way. Because marriage is not just a legal agreement. Marriage is a spiritual covenant between a man and a woman and God. And I just pray that, that if you're not married one day, that you'll be able to say some vows like I said to Katie over 38 years ago. You'll, you'll say something like, I Kelly, take you, Katie, to be my wedded wife, to have and to hold from this day forward. I, mean, I just love that phrase. That's why this series is named, From This Day Forward. There is so much hope in that phrase. So much hope in that phrase. I mean, right there at the wedding, you're saying, you know, we may have made some mistakes. We may have blown it. We may have, have struggled. But from this day forward, we're making a commitment to one another. And, and the wedding vows are a serious commitment. And for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, I will forsake all others and be faithful to you so long as we both shall live. From this day forward, there is power in that commitment. Now, we're going to be talking about five commitments through this series. And I'm just going to give them to you right up front as we start the series. You've got to place there on your outline. First one is seek God. Second is fight fair. Third is have fun. Fourth is stay pure. And the fifth commitment is never give up. Now, I want you to internalize, I want you to memorize these five commitments. In fact, we're so committed to you memorizing these commitments that I've come up with hand signals for you to help remember these. Okay, so we're all going to do them right now. Everybody get ready. Here, your church is not boring. We're going to have some fun here in church right now. So get ready. The first one for seek God, you do this because you seek God in prayer. So seek God. The second one is going to be fight fair. So for that one, you put up your dukes. Now, this one also has a facial expression that goes with it. Because you put up your dukes and then you smile, okay? Because we're going to fight fair. Okay? I have five grandkids. I have two, uh, actually, I have four-year-old twin grandsons. And I was watching the kids one, one night, babysitting them. And uh, the twins are standing there uh, facing each other like this. And one of them looks over and says, say one, two, three, go. Okay? So I said, one, two, three, go, and he pops the other one right in the jaw and knocks him back, and he comes forward, and he punches him back, and he staggers back, and then they wade into each other, and they are just jabbing and hooking, and I'm like, hey, 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 what are you guys doing? We're boxing. 
that they're going to make each other cry. Dad lets us cry. I said, well, that's Dad. I'm Grandpa. Knock it off and sit down, okay? But next week, we're going to teach you how to fight fair. So put your dukes up and smile big. Then, then the next one is have fun. Put your hands up. You're on a roller coaster. Woo! Wave them around. We're going to have fun. Then uh, the other thing we're going to do is we're going to stay pure. So you're washing your hands. You're staying pure. And then you do this because we never give up. Okay? Here we go. Seek God. Fight fair. Have fun. Stay pure. Never give up. Those are the commitments. Today we want to talk about how to seek God. The, the problem is, for those of you who are single, for most single people, they are not seeking God. They are seeking a spouse. They're not seeking God. They're seeking a spouse. You know, we're seeking that perfect someone, that one person who's going to meet our needs, going to fill the void in our life. Because everybody knows you can't be happy in life until you find the one. And so the guy goes out and he finds a girl and, and, and he goes, oh, man, she is so pretty. And she smells so good. And when she does that thing with her hair, I mean, man, she is the one. And the girl, she goes out and she finds a guy and she's, oh, he is just so sweet. And he takes me shopping and we go for long walks and we talk for hours. You know, you better enjoy it, lady. And she says, I found the one. Because we believe that in order to be fulfilled in life, we must find the one. I just love it sometimes. If somebody would just come up and say, you know, Pastor Kelly, I've met someone, and they are so awesome, and they are so godly. I think I might have found my two. I think I might have found my two. Because it's true that in order to be really fulfilled in life, you need to find the one. But another person is never the one. Okay? If you're taking notes, write this down. God is your one, and your spouse is your two. That, that is one of the most important foundational principles of marriage that you, you, you got to understand. God is your one, and your spouse is your two. When Jesus was asked, what's the most important commandment? He didn't say, uh, love your spouse with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second commandment is like it. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. So if, if you're not married yet, let me, let me start with you today. And if you're not married and one day you would hope to be, this is my prayer that this would be the driving force in your life. Okay? I will seek the one while preparing for my two. Let's say that out loud together. I will seek the one while preparing for my two. Because when we're not married, above everything else, our goal should be to honor God, to love God, to seek God, to pursue God. We're not seeking a spouse first. We are seeking God and His kingdom first. And then Jesus promises that when we do that, everything else will fall into place. So we are seeking the one while God is preparing me for the two. Now, the challenge in our culture today is, is that there, there are some people, in fact, there are even many people who would call themselves Christian, but they put the God thing on the back burner. 
You know, it may be if you're young and single, you think, well, one day I'm going to get married. One day I'll invite God into my life. One day I'm going to get involved in church. But for now, I'm going to the clubs and have some fun. And so you wind up jumping around from guy to guy or girl to girl and you live an ungodly lifestyle now, thinking later on, I'm going to bring God into the mix. That is an incredibly dangerous yet an incredibly common approach to life, marriage, and relationships. Extremely dangerous. You know, if you hope to have a godly marriage one day, you need to be living a godly life today. You need to seek God first. You need to become the kind of person that you would like to marry. Get that? You need to become the kind of person that you would like to marry. If you want to marry a person who's had 18 different sex partners, then go ahead and do whatever the world is doing. You know, if you want 50-50 odds of divorce, then do what everybody else is doing. But if you, don't want to, if you don't want that, if you want something greater, then you need to seek God today. I will seek the one while preparing for my two. I will become the kind of person that I want to marry. And if you're spending time in the bars chasing girls who like to party, what makes you think after you catch one of those girls that she's going to become another type of person? You know, if you're spending time chasing a guy who likes to party, what makes you think that all of a sudden, once you marry him, that he's going to change and he's going to want to start coming to church? And if you've been the party girl or party animal and you find someone who's godly and someone who's actively seeking God, what makes you think they're looking for somebody like you to marry? You need to become the kind of person that you want to marry. Now let's talk to married folks. If you're already married, this is your commitment. I will always seek the one with my two. Okay, let's say that out loud. I will always seek the one with my two. Now let me tell you why that's so important. Because our marriages will never be what God wants them to be until God is our one and our spouse is our two. That is God's pattern for this gift. God is one, our spouse is two. We often get this mixed up. First first mistake we make is so often we, we want to be number one. Well, you know where that is. But then we'll also get it mixed up and we'll make our spouse the number one. We look for that person and say, oh, you are going to make me so happy. Oh, you are going to meet my needs. Oh, you are everything to me. Or we might have God as number one and then we make our kids number two. Or we make our career number two. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. God's pattern is God is number one and our spouse is number two. We try to make our spouse or a boyfriend or girlfriend, we try to make them the one. What happens is we are putting them in a position that should only be occupied by God. We're actually turning them into an idol. You know, we're putting them where God needs to be. That's Anytime you do that to anything, you are idolizing that. And what's happening is you are putting expectations on that person that God never meant for them to be able to meet. Oh, you're going to make me happy. Oh, you complete me. I just feel so good whenever I'm around you. I cannot live without you. That is undue pressure that you're putting on someone that God never designed for them to meet. They are incapable of meeting that. And so what happens is, first we idolize them, and then when they don't live up to our expectations, then we demonize them. And you know the drill. 
you know, the guy sees, sees a girl and he likes her and he's, oh man, she is just so organized. I mean, she is so together. She is so driven by life. She is just passionate about the details of life. And then after they've been married for a while, he, he, he's like, man, she is a control freak. I mean, she wants everything to go her way. She is driving me crazy. Details, details, nag, 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 idolized and demonized. Woman does the same thing. She meets a guy, oh, he's just so laid back. He's just so easy going. He never gets worried or upset about anything. And you're married for a few months, and she goes, man, he is a bump on a log. He never does anything. He just sits around playing video games all the time. She idolizes when you don't meet the expectations, then you demonize. Opposites attract, and then opposites attack. Now, the problem is, is we're asking the wrong person to be the one in our life. And the solution is, is that we seek the one with the two. We must continue to seek God with our spouse. Now, in this series, I'm going to give you a keystone habit for each one of these commitments. And the keystone habit for seeking God as a couple is very simple together. We are going to pray together daily. That's why the hand signal for this is, is put your hands together in prayer. The keystone habit is pray together daily. Now, I know that as I mentioned that, some of you wives, you are absolutely giddy. You are giddy because you have longed for this in your marriage. It is not uncommon for the, for the woman to be more spiritually sensitive, and from day one in your marriage, you have been hoping that your husband would pray with you, and you go, oh, this is great, Pastor Kelly's asking him to pray with me, this is great. And many of your husbands are going like, this is not going to happen. It makes me nervous, it is awkward for me, I don't know what to do, this is not going to happen. Well, we're going to talk you through that in a minute. But I want to, first of all, just tell you, that you need to know that prayer is a very intimate experience. Prayer can be an incredibly bonding and incredibly intimate experience. Prayer between a man and a woman is very, very powerful. It is powerful spiritually. It is powerful emotionally. It is powerful physically. There is tremendous power in praying together. That's why I don't think it's a good idea to spend time praying one-on-one with a person of the opposite sex that is not your spouse. Okay? Sometimes I'll, I'll get a lady who will come to me and say, oh, you know, I've got this guy at work, and he's just going through such a difficult time, and so I've been praying for him, and we've been doing a little Bible study at work about this topic, and I just always think that is not a good idea. That is not a good idea. Especially if you're not praying with your spouse. And praying or studying the Bible one-on-one with a person of the opposite sex with a person who's not your spouse, opens a door to intimacy that is very unhealthy. And so I'd encourage you, don't do it. In fact, if you're dating and you want to maintain your physical purity throughout your dating relationship, I tell you, don't pray together on a sofa. Yeah, don't pray together on a bed. Don't pray together horizontally. Okay? Yeah. Pray together in a restaurant with a table in between you. Okay, if you're dating and you want to maintain your purity. Now, if you're married, pray in bed. Okay? Now, Second uh, Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face 
turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. And I think you can claim the promise, I will heal their marriage. If you pray and seek God's face together, amazing things can happen in a marriage relationship. And here's the key. Okay? The key is to keep it simple. The key is to make it as natural as possible. Just make it a part of your life together. You don't have to make a big deal out of this. Just weave it into the natural fabric, the natural ebb and flow that you have as a couple in your life together. You know, just keep it simple. Make the prayers about things that are happening in your life. You know, if you make a big deal out of it, especially if you haven't been doing this as a couple throughout your married life, if you, if you want to introduce prayer into an existing marriage, uh, you, you don't want to make the deal so heavy that the relationship can't bear it. It's better to start small, start simple, and, and let it build over time. Rockbrook, we often talk about the crawl, walk, run principle. And so if you've never been praying, if you haven't been praying in your marriage before, don't start out with an all-night prayer vigil. Okay? It's just too big, and, and it won't work. It's not the way to introduce prayer into your marriage. You, you want to just start simple. So let me give you five things. So just somewhere on the margin of your outline, just write down these five ways that you can start praying together as a couple. Uh, first one, very natural, just pray before your meals. And if you're not doing that as a couple, if you're not doing that as a family, just start praying before your meals. You sit down to eat. Before you eat, you just thank God for the food. You thank God for the people in your family. And, and, and keep it brief, but you just bring God into the process and start praying for your meals. The second thing you can do is pray in the car before you go somewhere. Pray together in the car. Katie and I, before we run errands or before we go shopping, we'll get in the car and we just quickly pray that God keep us safe. There are so many nuts out there. And just give us a safe trip, give us a good time together. And just make it a natural party when you're in the car and you're going somewhere together as a family. You just pray before you go. You can pray for each other when you're leaving for work. You know, just quickly grab your spouse and just pray for them. Say, God, give them a good day at work. Help them to have wisdom and discernment and be effective. Just be with them today. It's not a big deal. It's just a natural part of the fabric of your life. Now, you can pray for special events, birthdays and anniversaries. You know, before you blow out the birthday candles, uh, say a prayer together. And then you can pray for other people. You know, as you get needs, as you learn about needs and hurts in the lives of other people, just stop together as a family and just pray for them. Say, God, you know, just uh, be in their lives, help them. Now, what does it do for a marriage when, when you consistently pray together? What makes your marriage stronger? It makes it stronger. You get along better, you feel closer to one another, you feel closer to God. And, and so if as a couple, if you're just learning to pray together, maybe you've never done this before, it hasn't been part of your, don't, don't feel intimidated or overwhelmed by this. Just make it a natural thing by just starting. Just start to do it. Don't put any guilt or legalism to it. Maybe just make it a natural, enjoyable way to support one another, to seek God, depend on Him. Just build it into your life and in your marriage. And the key is, if you haven't done it before, you just start, and you just start simple. And so if it hasn't been part of your life, I just want to encourage you that you know, maybe tomorrow morning as your spouse is heading out the door to go to work, they just step into the kitchen and, and put their arm around you and just say, God, I just pray for my wife today. You know, don't faint when he does that. Okay? Don't make a big deal. Oh, you're doing this because Pastor Kelly said you should. No, don't do that. Just give each other some grace. Just say, from this day forward, 
this is going to be part of our marriage. Maybe it hasn't been in the past, but from this day forward, we're going to give this a shot. We're going to give it a try. Now, I know some of you are married to unbelievers, and that can make this very complicated. But you know, you can pray for them even if you can't pray with them. And, and I, I just don't know how couples make it today without seeking God together. Uh, but if you'll be faithful in this, uh, even if you've never done it before, uh, it'll begin to make a difference in your marriage. And you know what works for a lot of couples is, you know, because the big question is, what do I say? What do I pray about? How do I do this? Well, just make a list. You know, don't make a big list, something the size of the phone book. Just make a little list. We're going to pray about these things for our kids. We're going to pray for wisdom and this decision that we're making. We're going to pray for the people in our small group. We're going to pray for a friend who, who's struggling or has cancer. And then you just pray through that list together. You know, through the day, you can just text your spouse, Hey, babe, I'm praying for you and you'll have a good day today. You can leave each other post-it notes. You know, I'm praying God will look out for you today. But you just begin to introduce it as a natural part of your marriage. Now, over time, prayer creates an incredible amount of spiritual intimacy. And if you will pray together regularly, you'll find that it, it, it increases the, the chances that you're going to come to church together. If you're praying for each other, it increases the chances that you'll get involved in church together. Uh, it increases the chances that you'll connect with a small group, that you'll be praying for other people, and other people will be praying for your marriage, and that will make your marriage stronger. You develop positive spiritual momentum that helps you in your marriage when you just begin to create this simple habit, this keystone habit of praying together. And uh, aside from the great spiritual benefits, there are just practical benefits that come. I and mean, it's hard to fight with somebody that you're praying with. It's hard to maintain the I hate you, you're the Antichrist attitude if you're praying with somebody on a regular basis. And it's hard to commit adultery. It's hard to get hooked on porn if you're praying with somebody regularly. If you've got consistent spiritual intimacy. You know, it makes you want to know God. It makes you want to serve God. It keeps you from getting caught up in all those traps that so easily get all the other couples. You know, it's hard to divorce somebody that you've been praying with regularly. Now, I know, I know some of you are thinking, you're just thinking, this is just too much. This is too big a step for us. Well, then take the 50-50 odds. <laughs> and just do what everybody else does. And take a 50-50 chance that your marriage is going to fall apart. Or, you can say, God, help us to do this. Let me give you some quick stats. Family Life, Christian Marriage Organization, Family Life surveyed thousands of Christian couples. And they found that fewer than 8% of Christian couples pray together regularly. Fewer than 8%. That means 92% of couples are not praying together. That, that means 90, 92% of you. This isn't part of your life. You talk about a need for a sermon. But those couples that do pray together regularly, Fewer than 1% wind up with a divorce. Fewer than 8% actually seek God together in prayer. But of that 8%, fewer than 1% get a divorce. So pick your odds. You want 50-50 or you want 99-1? to Choice is yours. That's why the first commitment that we're asking you to make in this series is the commitment to pray together. I mean, it is so foundational, yet it is so neglected, even by Christians. 
But Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and everything else will fall into place. And you may say, you know, Pastor, we just don't pray together in our marriage. Well, from this day forward, do it. You know, Pastor, we really don't even like each other right now. Well, from this day forward, begin to pray together. You know, we don't know how to do this. From this day forward, we're going to give it a try. I'm just really uncomfortable with this. Get over it. From this day forward, we are going to commit to seeking God. I want to share this story. It comes from Pastor Greg Rochelle. He says, I went to visit an older couple. The wife was dying in the hospital. She was 88, and her husband was 90. They had been married over 70 years, and it was a moment I'll never forget. I walked into this jam-packed hospital room with several generations of family members that were all worshiping as the matriarch of this family was about to pass from earth to heaven. And this feeble 90-year-old man opened up the Bible to Psalm 23 and through tears read that to his family and over his wife. And then everybody joined hands and he put one hand on his wife's head and he committed her to God in heaven, thanked God for 70 years of getting to serve God together with his wife, and then he kissed her and said, I will see you soon. And moments after that, she slipped from this world into eternity. Greg says, after I looked at at this guy and I said, I want what you have. What is your secret? And he said, we've messed up in so many ways, too many ways to count. But the one thing we did is we were faithful in praying together. Let's pray. Father, I just pray that you would do a work in all of our hearts. But I would pray especially today for those who aren't married yet that that you would just build into them a desire to seek you, to make you their one, as you prepare them for their two. God, for those who are married, I pray that they would commit to always seek the one with their two. And if you're married and you're you're here with your spouse today, I'm going to ask you today to make a commitment. I'm going to ask you to make a commitment to seek God in prayer together. And I'm asking you to take this commitment seriously. And so I invite you just to reach out, take the hand of your spouse, and lift your hands in the air together and say, from this day forward, we're going to seek God. Would you say that with me? From this day forward, we're going to seek God. God, I pray that you would bind up our hurts and wounds, that you would heal us where we're hurting that you would bring our marriages together, that over the next five weeks, God, that you would do wonderful things, even in situations where there is no hope. God, we need your help. Some of you are realizing right now that the way you're living your life, the way you're living out your marriage, God's not your one. You may believe in God, you may have even given your life to Christ, but, but He is not your one. He wants to be. And he loves you so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for you. And anything and everything that you have done in the past can be forgiven. And your marriage can be made brand new. Would you just say, God, from this day forward, I want you to be the one. I want 
have no rival. God, I want you to be the captor of my soul. We ask these things in Jesus' name.